this is amazing. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this over 4G from like, if you could see where we are, we are in the middle of nowhere. It's quite impressive. Yeah, you're, clear, you're clearing the eagles off your uh, caravan. Yeah, there was there was seagulls on the caravan that I was having to try and clear off. Amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. So um, this is Doom Ray. <laughs> this is an episode. <laughs> yeah, this, is just, this is just all going to make it, isn't it? Just this yeah, banter before. Um, this is all part of it. It's really important. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to bleep out all the swearing revolving around uh, the eagles, but that's fine. Um, anyway, um, hello everybody. <laughs> Very professional <laughs> beginning there from all, all of us. Um, it is Tuesday, the ninth of April. And I am sitting in the middle of nowhere over a cliff in Wales. Um, and um, we have a special show today because uh, we've brought in my much talk about friend, um, Luke Edwards. Say hello, Luke. Hello. <laughs> very smooth, very smooth. And uh, our, our usual co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. Hi there. I, I, I was imagining that Luke was just your imaginary friend. Yeah, I think everybody I'm, was. I, just... I am. I'm not real. You know, you're real. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> You've lost your mind as well. Yeah. Um... <laughs> so yeah. So um, today we, you know, we we talked about it on uh, last week's show that um, we were going to have um, a little chat about kind of the processes that have gone into this comic book that we've been making. Um, so we're not going to talk too much about uh, kind of the plot and the the um, you know the the kind of story because we want to leave that um, you know as, as a surprise for when you read it because um, we want to try and keep it as spoiler free as possible. Um, but we're going to talk about the the processes that we've been through um, when you know trying to kind of put this comic comic book together. Um, and to give you a bit of a backstory on it, um, it it started. Um, how long ago now? About a year and a half? Year and a half? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, on, on RMA, although according, according to RMA, it started about a year ago because we weren't working on it before the project was set, I promise. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, <laughs> although we have the pieces of paper now, so yeah, we, we were definitely working on it before the project was set. Um, I think it was a classic bit of project manipulation. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, make the project work to you. But, um, and um, Rob um, was our lecturer uh, during the MA. I so didn't we see you like... very much, but uh... no, <laughs> <laughs> we got there in the end, though it's yeah, fine. You were kind of you were kind of self uh, self reliant students. Yeah. yeah, it was essentially an open university MA, really. <laughs> it, it did, like, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, all those suckers going in every day, yeah. losers. Some, um... some people need it more than others. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so you know, we um, the reason we brought Robin is really because you know we we kind of had a debate as to whether to do it just between me and Luke or whether to bring Robin. But I think you know one thing that you're very good at, Rob, is playing devil's advocate. So <laughs> that's why that's why we've brought you in. Um, well, it's, so, it's, yeah, inter so... it's interesting for me to see see how where this has gone to because I because I kind of got introduced to it this time last year when you started working on it on the project and um, uh, and I saw the early i guess uh yeah, yeah. Ske sketches and ideas for how it might work in, as an interactive piece um so i'm really i'm really interested i've been i've been bugging you carl for uh, like months now show show me some more publish it let me buy it i want to buy it so, so yeah, my, which, is, which is that's that's the point we'd like everybody to be at really yeah, yeah. <laughs> when can i give you money um but no and i, I you know i think you know the one the one thing that that we I guess um, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a Tolkien thing, and it was a tale that grew in the telling. Um, yeah. And it it started off as um, well, the the kind of background of it was I was beginning to kind of flirt with the idea of um, a short story that I'd been writing, um, and um, I got talking to Luke one afternoon um, <laughs> um, about this story. And uh, he said, that's really weird because it sounds a lot like something that I've been kind of flirting with writing. Um, so then we sat down about two days later 
uh, once we'd stopped talking to each other, um, we kept talking to each other for the next year and a half and not doing much work. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, we we realised that you know that that our kind of visions for this story were, were very similar. So we decided to kind of team up, um, and it was it was interesting because I think you know we um, we're both kind of very very big comic book fans. Um, and it was it was quite an interesting process where it was we were we were kind of saying that in our eyes um, comic books were kind of struggling at the minute and you know <laughs> we did we did what all students do and decided to save the, uh, a multi billion pound industry yeah. <laughs> single handedly yeah we, we um, had the answers didn't we we thought we oh, could yeah. then conquer the world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what little we knew. Um, but yeah, so you know, and um, I think, well, we we went we went off on this on this kind of um, you know exploratory process where we went through uh, what a comic book was, and we looked a lot at um, you know um, a lot of Will Eisner's theories on kind of you know participant versus viewer um, you know uh, theories and all these kind of things, and you know we we kind of. It was it was interesting because the more we kind of delved into this comic book and the things that we wanted to do with it, um, it, it almost became more of a game. Um, and yeah. it was it, it kind of it entered a, a level of interactivity that that um, because we we wanted to try and steer clear because I think interactivity is some just a word that's banded around by like every student the second you know any project comes up. Um, and you know, I'm very wary of there is an there is an entire different layer to something the second you make it interactive. Um, but you know, the, the, we we wanted to kind of experiment with it, and I guess you know we used we used that time on the MA as a as a time for experimentation. And I know, um, Luke, you you know you kind of um, you wanted to go kind of really crazy with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, it's funny because when we were um you know as you're saying we were we were looking at really what makes a comic book um inevitably we came across um, motion comics and that's really just a, you know a whole other minefield and i have a big problem with motion comics myself because i think they are mislabeled and they are not what they say they are and and I remember we were kind of, you know, really challenging head on, you know, um, at what stage does a comic book stop being a comic book when you add sound design and animation? And we, we were having this kind of tug of war, you know, um, where we were essentially we're trying to identify that line between when something is gimmicky or when something is essential to the storytelling. And I think we both came away from it with the fact that the problem with um, most motion comics today is that they are increasingly becoming stuck between this limbo of either being a very crap piece of animation or a very sophisticated type of animatic that you would see in a, you know, uh, a pre-production process of a film or, you know, or a video game. Whereas, you know, I'm a big believer that one of the things that's joyful about comic books is um, panel layout design and the freedom to read a comic at your own pace and to turn the page and to not only take in each individual image, but to also allow yourself to be, um, uh, to be manipulated by how you take in the whole page and how the artist is kind of, you know, guiding your eye. And I think a lot of that is lost in the translation with motion comics. So that was, um, that was really the crux of, of what, our, what our masters really became about. You know, and well, it was even down to you know the 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 most basic form of of kind of you know um, distilling a very complex um, problem down is that you know we, yeah, yeah. the first thing we did was we went well hang on a second all these motion comics are in sixteen nine so <laughs> yeah. why why is a, a format that is that is so so heavily designed and has been so heavily designed for so many years almost what what gives you know uh, the designers of motion comics the right to just kind of bastardize every frame and just slap two lines between them? I mean, um, I looked at uh, the Watchmen motion comics, which which actually did quite well, um, and they yeah. were the kind of the first the first kind of very successful motion comics, uh, mm. where they 
they broke um they broke each chapter down into uh, i think it was a 11 11 minute episode or something but yeah. um but you know the, the, there's and i i kind of think well you know the the frames of watchmen are designed in the aspect ratio of an ipad of a tablet of you know the like yeah. every frame is that size yeah so why have you turned the ipad on it, well the screen on its side yeah. and slapped these two lines but it just it, it didn't make much sense and i think you know like you said we came to this conclusion that it was really just kind of poor animation it was it was that animatic style previs as opposed to um as opposed to um a comic and it's you know i, th I think when when you put the word comic on something, um, it, it changes your expectations of it. Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing as well is that I find, you know, when, when you read about what the definition of a motion comic is, it's, it's, they say it's supposed to be a hybrid of, you know, animation, sound and comic book art. But I actually think it damages all three when put together. And that's not, yeah. you know, I think... It's not real animation. None of the principles of animation are observed at all with the motion no. comics at all. So it's really an insult to the to the craft of animation and sound design. By and large, the thing's shouting at you every ten seconds when you press a button. Um, so I ju you know I just think people should be realizing that there is a fundamental problem there. That if if you're trying to push these three different approaches together, and you are not not, neither one of them is excelling at what they do best on their own, then surely that means it's not working. Yeah. yeah. And I, th I think also, you know, they, they, it's, I love this, but they, we'll tell them, we'll bloody tell them. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's this, it's this idea of, um, you know, when it's, like you say, it's taking three very, very complex um, art forms that mm. have taken, years and years and years to you know you can't even say master but to to have have um you know a set of principles that can be kind of defined and um observed and i think you know that when motion comics came about it was almost like nobody kind of took time to sit down and and look at what you know what elements serve um you know, serve the other elements to, to bring it together into a, into a kind of wholesome package. It was just kind of, it was, it, it seems like a rushed process. And I think it's something that's finding its feet. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, to anybody who kind of doubles in after effects, it's clear that they take a comic book frame, get a scalpel tool on Photoshop, break it down. You know, it's, it's a very kind of, it's a very simplistic process. Um, and, and yeah. it, like you say, it doesn't serve any of the, you know any of any of the three elements that it uses um effectively and I, I think you know one of the one of the big things um with with watchmen that was quite nice um and made quite a nice case study was that um so far it's the only thing i've found i, I may be wrong and i'm willing to be proven wrong um oh, i shouldn't have said that on a podcast people are going to quote that aren't they <laughs> people are just going to have that on their phone recorded like i'm ready to be proven wrong i'm ready to be proven wrong <laughs> but, um no and um you know with watchmen there's a film there's a comic book and there's a motion comic and it's so you, you have kind of three very different elements um and it's funny because I know when Watchmen was made, um, there was this big thing of kind of it was too faithful as a comic book movie. And they tried to take, you know, take the frames. Yeah. And I never understood why then they got rid of the giant squid. Um, you know, if, yeah. you, if you're going to be that accurate, keep the giant squid. But anyway, um, but, you know, and they, it, you know, it was it was told it was too faithful. It was too faithful of a reenactment of the comic book. Which is interesting because until that point, most the the biggest complaint about comic book movies was they weren't enough like comic books. <laughs> um, well, so... yeah, I, I guess that's probably more a case of people not knowing what they really want. But I do have to agree that that uh, Zack Snyder, I think, he was a little bit too in love with the comic book to see that he should have adapted it, you know, more elegantly to film rather than this... just transplanted it. But I think it's it's one of the problems that well I'm not even sure if it is a problem but it's it's one of the things that kind of defines the comic book genre. Right? Is, yeah. 
there seems to be this increasing need to um, get comic book fans to direct comic book movies. So, you know, like Zack Snyder is is an obvious one, but then uh, Joss Whedon, you know, being given the Avengers. Yeah. Um, which is funny because the Avengers, again, looks like a comic book. I mean, you know, me and you, Luke, have discussed in the past some of the shots in those. Oh, with absolutely, these, yeah. They must have made the lenses, like custom build them to get the wide angle. And, you know, there's just like Captain America at the top of some stairs for no apparent reason. (laughs) It's just just all about composition, which is lovely and is really nice. And it is a kind of love letter. But to me, the greatest comic book films ever made, and I'm pretty sure neither of you will will argue with it, but is is the Dark Knight series. Mm. Um, And I think what made those so good was it took um, two people who aren't comic book fans in yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Nolan and, and, and said, um, you know, that they, they built them from the ground up as films um, and, and built them in that medium. And they didn't, they didn't say this is based on this comic book. This is so, you know, you weren't sitting there, um, you know, you weren't sitting there kind of, Waiting to be appeased as a comic book fan. This is yeah. the this is the thing for me. I mean, I mean, this this is the thing that really really gets me. Is that yeah, it's okay. You, one, on one hand, you pick pick somebody who likes the the comic book to direct it because well, you know, you think well, what what is it they like here? Are they do they like yeah. are they in love with the medium of comics? In which case, you know, go and make comics, or are they in love with the story? And I think. With what we've got with Nolan is someone who who, who loves the story and what and yeah. found something in that story who want that he wants to tell or and interpret and who loves film, and, yeah. and I think this this is a really important thing and this is what why you know uh, early on in your project I I had that conversation with with both of you about what what is it you're trying to do here you know is what yeah. why are we why are we attached to the idea of a comic if actually what we want to do is tell, is tell the story and if we're trying to if we are so attached to the idea of a comic why are we so desperate to to kind of cram in all of these other devices to somehow mm. bring, bring the comic book kicking and screaming into the 21st century and and yeah. and in the process it become is subject to the rules of another format like get like the game yeah yeah but it, well it's, it's interesting though because um you know up until up until recently, I mean, we did we did kind of camera tests. We did all kinds of stuff. We tried like, um, you know, Hitchcock zooms. You know, all, all kind of different um, cinematic techniques using comic book frames um, that were that were viewer dictated. Um, and we'll you know we'll put up the links to the videos on YouTube and stuff. So you know, take a look. But um, you know, one of the things that we kind of came to this realization. Um, and you know, Rob, you're probably used to this of students coming to your realization seven months after you did. But um... oh, I, could, I wouldn't possibly be as arrogant. <laughs> as usually about nine months. <laughs> yeah. but, um, you know, is um, you know, we we had a conversation a few months back, and um, we said, you know, it, the thing, the thing that um, you know, when we talk to people about this comic book, the thing they care about, the thing they want to hear about, is the story. Nobody goes, oh, so is it going to be on my iPad? Is it going to be, you know, people say, well, what happens next? Yeah. You know, they 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 get involved in the story, and I think, you know, what we said was, let's almost constrain the project. You know, let's say we're going to build a comic book that is that is available digitally, um, but you know, we're going to constrain it. We're going to define the scope of the project as opposed to um you know tr- getting lost in in the kind of idea of trying to revolutionize you know we we feel we're we're telling a story that people want to hear because that's what people want to talk to us about so let's concentrate on that the aspect that people want to hear about and the aspect that that we first fell in love with about about the green men is is the story which ridiculously we can't tell you about just yet <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's funny you say that though because um I think one of the most important decisions that you should make very early on is that if you feel you've got a story to tell, uh, it should be very clear um, in it should be very obvious what is the best way to tell that. You know, is it is it a, 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 an idea that's made for television? Is it something that has the scope of cinema? You know, um, mm. is it something that would work very well as a novel? 
or is there something in particular about it that would appeal to comic book fans? And we really, you know, when we really sat down to, to talk about this story and talk, talk about the way we would do this, you know, the decision to um, go with, the, with the, the comic book element was not because we were playing it safe. It's because we genuinely believe that this story is tailor-made, you know, for that format. For, for mm. We think it, it probably wouldn't work nearly as effectively um, as a film or a TV show or, you know, even as a, as a novel. And the nice but thing the thing is, is that, that's, that those constraints aren't, aren't just placed on it by budget. Because I think, you know, often yeah, yeah. often things end up being a comic book because they go, well, we can't we can't afford to make this. Yeah, but what, um, so, yeah, I'm interested. What What is it then that that, is, that made it suit, most suitable for telling in the comic well, format? There, there, was a, there was a few things. I mean, one of the big things is, is that, you know, we one of our big inspirations is um, is Arkham Asylum, the the comic book by uh, Grant Morrison, and and you know um, what he, you know every single frame of that comic book can be poured over and studied, um, and it can be taken on face value. But it's it's one of those things where the kind of the more you read it, the more the more you get out of it. And yeah. with you know I think you know I mean you you could be you're probably more capable of talking about this, Luke. So I'll hand it over to you. But you know with with Luke it was a big thing of kind of the, the style that he was going for. Um, well, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you talk about it. I'll, I'll shut yeah. up. <laughs> um, I, su- I suppose the one thing that we probably could say is that an important part of our story um, very much hangs in the power of kind of um, folklore storytelling. And I often feel that visuals um, are very important in carrying a story. And, and the vision that we had a lot of the times when we were talking about elements of the story, we were thinking in terms of, of images as well. We weren't just talking about characterization, but we were talking about how the two, you know, uh, come hand in hand. Um, and for me, I think the story that we're going to tell, there's a real opportunity here to um, explore a world, you know, through visual imagery whilst complementing the kind of storytelling that we want to have and the characters that we want to explore. So that was really important for me. But then in the way that we're kind of structuring this story, that's when we realised that, you know, the limitations of a comic book really is only the limitations of your imagination and how much pen, paper and ink you have. Um, And so that's quite liberating in one sense, but it's also nice because a comic book has restrictions that kind of they ground you and stop you kind of going over the top in some ways, you know. Um, so it really, the more and more we talked about it, the more and more we were talking about we wanted to go with it visually and 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 how we wanted the story to feel and unfold. The more we realised that it, it was just it was just screaming comic book to us, um, and and that was it really. Is there something else that that interests me? Is that something that um, people have talked about? In the, um, there's a guy, a guy called Horace Dedu who uh, is an analyst. He, does the um, a Simco blog, and he talks a lot about uh, products and media in terms of the job to be done. The kind of the, you know what 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 is somebody hiring a comic book to do? What is somebody hiring a movie to do? And I, I wonder if yeah. that comes into your thinking as well in the terms of in terms of not only what is this story we want to tell, but but how how do I imagine some somebody is going to use this story somebody's going to you know fit it into their life um a movie is very clear you know you're hiring it for for the if you're going to see it at the cinema you're hiring it to fill two hours or two, yeah, two, yeah. two three hours of a, of a of a day out if it's a home it's a slightly different thing well, i think you know that this is this is something though that that comes from i guess you know um i mean Luke, Luke's a massive fan of Tolkien. I'm a massive fan of Martin, uh, you know, George Martin. And, um, I, you know, I, I think for, for me, what I, what I love, what is, the, what is the big love of those kind of uh, writers, but also the big frustration of those kind of writers is I love their, their kind of scope of world building. Yeah, um, and it, yeah. it's something that me and Luke kind of both identify with with both writers, um, and he, you know, Luke very much appreciates Martin, and I very much appreciate Tolkien. Um, but you know, I love the idea of kind of world building and the fact that um, you know that, that that fans take ownership of of a world, and I really liked that. And I, um, but yeah. then 
one of the things that I love is through kind of deviant art and things, seeing what people do with with those kind of you know with those worlds that are built in their heads. Um, and I think you know to, to us it was this idea of um, <clears throat> because because the world we're building um, is is um, very you know it's it's not it's not a kind of fantasy world um but it, it has it, ha, it has um you know fantasy elements i guess and you know what what we thought was we we wanted to kind of build a world um that was very deep and rich so that you know to the extent of if you think of terry pratchett um and the Discworld novels you know it got to the point where somebody could draw a map of yeah of yeah. Um, Ank Morpork and release that as an app. That's how detailed his world is, um, and that's how detailed visually his world is. And I think that's what that was one of the big things with the green with the green men um, is that we wanted to build this world that that could be kind of poured over. And I think once you once you define it as a film, you you define you define a scope which um, which which you know says you know okay so two and a half hours is probably the most we can do um mm. you know or if your name's peter jackson four and a half hours is probably the most you can do <laughs> um, but you know um and then in terms of television that then gives it a structure that is very linear and you know we quite like the idea of um people people being able to kind of go back through the comic book and you know you know kind of pour over it that you know like in the same way i guess we've the reason we we define it as a comic book is because as comic book fans we we are familiar with that experience of kind of pouring over a, a you know a spread you know looking at you know looking at every kind of aspect of it but also we in the same way as they did in arkham asylum um where they kind of um built in visual layers that's another thing that we wanted to do. And I think when you're trying to think of, you know, how, how a shot's cut together, how, a, how um, you know, how the action is, is moved along, you know, the, the kind of speed of a, of a, of a scene, um, the tempo of the entire film, um, <clears throat> that, that puts constraints on, on what you can build into a frame. Um, and, you know, for, for us, it was that idea of we wanted to build... Um, a very complex kind of multi-layered world and and the the comic book allowed us to do that what about in terms of if the that way makes that any sense yeah it does <laughs> but what about i'm thinking more in terms of what about this is the way that it's that it's delivered and the way that it's consumed because this is one of the discussions we had a year ago which was that as soon as you start to add in the element of time of of uh, of of time uh, and delivery to a comic book so you typically on a motion comic or an iPad app, you start to animate transitions between the frames. They might be user kind of um, triggered in the sense of a, of a touch, but yeah. you're, sti you're still dictating some kind of flow of time. And one of the things that, that perhaps a comic book in, in its traditional print form has always bought is that, that ability to for the user to completely control that and not never feel like they're on a on a kind of on rails going through something and that's, that's that, yeah, yeah that's think... the big thing wasn't it that that yeah. we that we were um very very conscious about and we still are um is is it is there a way <clears throat> to craft a motion comic where for the most part the reader does feel in control of the pace and and at the speed in which the story unfolds and 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 I think if there is a solution, then it has to be a subtle marriage, you know, of the motion elements um, with things like panel layout design with. Um, and I think just, you know, keeping intact the, the desire that we all have as readers to, you know, one person will read one chapter in a night and another mm -hmm. person might take a week, you know, and we kind of want to find a way to keep that intact that's very important to us that that's not lost well, comics have always been something you can consume quite quickly uh, yeah. but then you, but mm. then you go back and you go in different directions and you kind of yeah. branch out and, and yeah. yeah but i think as well the the story that that we're building um is is done in that way and um you know a big inspiration of ours is um is uh, Stephen Moffat and what he mm. does with Doctor Who yeah. in that 
well he does it with Sherlock as well but you know um, what he does is that he he develops these kind of 45 minute nuggets that you know you can you know that you sit and you watch for 45 minutes um, and then two seasons later he then changes the meaning of every single episode um <laughs> So, but and it's funny because you know when we've been writing the story, we've actually you know the, <laughs> we talk often of our Moffat moments. <laughs> yeah. And and this is this is where um, you know where we've we've taken the story as a whole, and we we've kind of if you you know we've planned it as a timeline, and we've kind of pinned in our Moffat moments, and these are moments that have to have to happen at a certain point, in order to allow the story to then be read. You know, in a, in a in a different light, when 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 you kind of say that, um, you know, you you can read through it quickly and and you get the one story, but then when you when you look back through it, you you see the kind of underpinnings of a deeper story, um, and you know th- that was that was kind of important to us, um, and, and uh, you know it's it's something with with the story, um, because it's funny because it, it didn't necessarily, I mean, one of the, one of the things that we're very conscious of is. Um, I'm a filmmaker and Luke's a storyboard artist um, and <laughs> us sitting here kind of preaching about the broken comic book yeah. <laughs> seems seems a little ridiculous in a lot of ways but I, you know often um, things are redefined from, by people from outside of, of, of a subject or you know outside of a of, a, of an industry um, and you know like if you'd have said 20 years ago that the largest change in the music industry would be made by apple computers mm. um you know the, i don't think many people would have would have agreed with you however the largest change in the last 20 years of the music industry has been made by apple computers um so essentially yeah. what i'm trying to say is we're geniuses we are apple computers and we will change comic books <laughs> 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 but i think it, but no. I think so. it does it does require us like uh, you know, that that kind of slightly removed uh, one step removed kind of objectivity doesn't it to to yeah, see yeah. to see yeah. something and say well hang on i'm you know i'm not i'm not necessarily wedded to the industry's ways of doing things because i don't i don't make yeah. my living from that well yeah. you don't you don't have a vested interest here that's yeah. <laughs> that's the difference is you know you if you if you um like essentially me, me and luke have no reputation in the comic book industry so if this all goes tits up then then that's fine Mm. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing is that we we are not purists, so we're not holding on, you know, to uh, you know the things that a lot of comic book purists criticise about motion comics. We're a little bit more open-minded with it, but we're at the same time uh, very wary of motion comics um, because we're not convinced that they have uh, been realised in their full potential yet. But, you know, going back to what Kyle was saying about our Moffat moments, they're kind of, that flags up uh, a, a point that, you know, we've been talking about, which is we want the reader to be able to go back at leisure to to find those moments and to be rewarded for going back. And that can be difficult with some motion comics because there's a lot of resetting of the motions and you have to, you know, I mean, I know I've, I've had a couple of uh, comics I've downloaded and it's, it's it's a bit clunky how you have to go back. So that I think, you know, again, the story is dictating how we would apply those elements, and and I think we want that freedom to to breeze through the story at your own at pace. And that doesn't mean just going forwards. That you know that you can go back and forth. You can you know, um, as we do with comics. I mean, I, I do that all the time. I pick up an old comic and I just thumb through, and and that to me is part of the joy of owning a comic, mm-hmm. is you rediscover it. Yeah. And I think you know that, that's um, you know working in e-publishing that that's that's something that's that's a big thing in in publishing is people well in digital publishing is that people say well you know I, I love I love the ability to be able to to thumb through a book um, and it's funny because it's a problem that's been kind of picked out for so many years um, and and that really I, I think it's coming to the point where people are realizing. There's maybe not a solution to it, but then you know, like I know that me and me and Rob have talked in the past of this ability to kind of almost do kind of a sea dragon um, style yeah, uh, infinite zoom, yeah, yeah, where you can mm-hmm. where you can yeah, I forgot they've been renamed as zoom world, but you know where you can where you can view a comic as a whole from a distance and then you know kind of zoom in, um, and you know I think there are there are solutions to to these problems, um, but the, <laughs> it's funny because 
I I think what's exciting about um, you know developing a comic at the minute is that um, it is you know it, it is I mean it's funny because you say to people you know um, about comic books and people think that comic books are at the, the kind of peak of their popularity, but it's more comic book movies are at the peak of their popularity because yes you see loads of kids with Thor action figures, Hulk action figures, Iron Man figures. But yeah. that's through a film franchise, not through comic books. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think, um, you know, what's quite exciting is that, um, you know, the the genuine kind of 500-pound gorillas of DC and Marvel haven't worked it out yet, which is what makes it so interesting is that there's, there's um, you know, there's there's a lot of kind of indie... Um, I mean, um, Operation Ajax which is um, a, a comic book for iPads, which was made kind of specifically for iPad, is the closest thing I've seen to what me and Luke would like to do in, in that it's it's a yeah, comic okay. book that that has pacing dictated by the reader, but then has, has these kind of heightened elements. And it is a comic book. It still feels like a comic book. Mm. Um, and I think <clears throat> it's trying to find that fine line. But it's funny because what, what the, the kind of agreement that me and Luke came to was... Let's make a comic book <laughs> first. <laughs> yeah. you know, let's 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 release the comic book, and if people want us to then kind of expand those elements and you know look through what we've done and want to see that, then we can do that. But mm. like we've said, uh, you know, the most imp- the thing that people get import- um, excited about is the story, not the technology behind the story. Yeah, um, I I do think as well. You know, if hypothetically there is a demand to see it you know in a digital format um then it would mean that certainly from my point of view with the panel layouts it would mean uh, you know a whole rethink of how that's presented because i wouldn't be comfortable with just a transplant you know Mm. you know almost like you're looking at a pdf or something you know or or, um i mean what you were just talking about you know the fact that you can look at a comic from afar and zoom in and kind of my argument is well get a real comic because you're on for you, you know. It's, but um, but yeah, there are you know. I do feel that if you are going to move um, something into a, into a new format, I think you you must tailor it, you know, properly. Uh, I don't think you can do a shoddy kind of transplant, you know. Um, so what about um, what about the the uh, announcement from Madefire then of the partnership with Deviant Art? Anything anything? Yeah, we talked we talked about Madefire a while ago um, on Doomray. I think. We yeah, I, it a yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like the fact that you know they are exposing this you know to the to the Deviant Art community, but. Um, well, it's I, one I, day left. One day. One day's yeah. time. I'm just looking at it now. One day, yeah. fifteen hours time. I don't know I'd, I'd be very interested to see you know um, what they do with it really but my again my worry is that it's not the accessibility that's the problem it's it's the the it's the philosophy of what a motion comic is I think it's wrong uh, you know I think mm-hmm. that misnamed you know and, and I think um, I, I don't know maybe some you know there are some projects coming up uh, you know, indie-made motion comics that are starting to ask the right questions, and they're starting to, you know, um, go in the directions that I would like to go in. I mean, and that's a promising sign. But I mean, I, I really don't know. You know. I guess the question for, I mean, for I me think... would be what what would what would be the kind of stories that you'd want to tell in that yeah. format? But that's that's my biggest problem with Made Fire is. I downloaded Made Fire when it was first released, which is a year ago now, yeah. um, over a year ago, I think. Um, and I thought, you know, this looks really exciting. This looks really cool. Um, and I've downloaded a few of the comics. And my biggest problem with it isn't the technology, isn't the interaction, isn't any anything, but there isn't a great comic book on there. There's not one great story. There's not one of those issues that I've got to the end of. And I, 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 you know, I know the love and the work that has gone into these comic books, and I, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to kind of well, um, well, <clears throat> undermine it. Yeah, I wonder if that that might be a case of um, a, a storyteller uh, and an artist seeing the potential in a motion comic, and and they create a story, but you sense that the the interest was making the motion comics rather than telling but the that story. Was- 
that's 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 exactly what yeah. happened to us was yeah, we yeah. we became kind of embroiled in this battle of trying to reinvent the comic book and the story began to suffer and yeah. now now that we've kind of uh decided right let's just let's just make a comic book first let's just kind of you know let's do this in 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 a kind of iterative way you know let's let's get mm -hmm. the one thing right and then take it from there and yeah. it's funny because in the time that we've stopped concentrating on the technological side of it and concentrated purely on on the story side of it i believe that the story has advanced and you know kind of grown into this really powerful strong story which obviously other people will be the judges of i you know i i can yeah you know, <laughs> I write it. I'm going to love it. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I remember there were there, there were conversations we were having where um, our ideas for the interactive elements or ideas for the for the panel transitions in the motion comic it was dictating the story, and and I think we had to pull ourselves out of it to switch it the other way around. It's absolutely essential that the story dictates the way it unfolds and, and, and what kind of tools that you use to tell that. And I think, you know, we did kind of get lost. We lost sight of it and it's very easy to do because, you know, you can get caught up in the technical side. Um, but it was, it was very important that we kind of recalibrated our, our position and, and, and looked at it from the right direction again. And I think it's, it's improved the project. It's know. very normal yeah, though, isn't it? In the early days of any, to any new kind of technology yeah. or advance to, well, to you, get wrapped up in it. Yeah, well, if you look at 3D cinema, I mean, you know, there's, uh, well, the re-release of 3D cinema 60 years after it was never wanted. Oh, um, but, um, on that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, with, 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 um, with kind of 3D cinema, um, you know, the, the, I've been to see 3D releases. In t like, I, I saw The Avengers only in 2D and I saw The Hobbit only in 2D. Um, and I have no regrets because I, I love both films. Yeah. Um, and... Um, I've been to see films in 3D that I've just gone, well, this, this film was made for the technology, not for the story. I mean, the, the classic example is the, the uh, re-release of Fern Gully, I, I mean, sorry, Avatar, um, where they, <laughs> where they um, you know, where they, where they the, the story is very, um, well, it takes a backseat to the technology, isn't it, completely? Um, so. I mean, I've only ever seen Avatar once, and it was in IMAX 3D. And I have to admit, I could appreciate that this was completely crafted for to see it in that way. And I yeah, and yeah. I refuse to watch it again unless I have an IMAX 3D television in my room, you know. But I won't watch Avatar again because, as far as I'm concerned, that it was made to be seen like that. To see it in any other way, I'm not, you know. I, I think it's it's. It misses the point, I think, you know, um, but that's the problem, isn't it? When you make something that's so specific, I mean, this is the other end of the spectrum. If you make something that's so specific to, uh, um, uh, you know, to, to the IMAX format, for example, you know, it makes it very difficult to watch it on your iPhone, you know, um, yeah, yeah. And, and so, yeah. Right. Well, um, you know, one of the th one of the things is I think in in kind of modern media is this big thing of um, adaptability, and adaptability is is something that maybe has kind of marred storytelling. Um, yeah. Massively, is that everything, um, for, for, you know, from its from its kind of creation point is seen as, you know, well, this transmedia idea of. Okay, well, how do we make a film that can be a comic book, that can be a book, that can be a kids' television show, that can, you know, <clears throat> that can be toys? You know, can does does at some point in the film it fire missiles so that we can fit more plastic missiles into the toy of it? You know, and but, yeah. but I I genuinely believe you know it has affected um, storytelling. And the wonderful thing is is that um, Chris Nolan's um, you know Batman trilogy um, was made entirely for film and the wonderful thing about that is the toys were terrible um and the <laughs> lego was terrible and the book was terrible and you know that's great i love that because it means you've done your job right and you've made a good film and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, because it's one thing actually is me and luke said you know uh, quite early on when we when we were writing it as a comic book 
we want people, you know, we want a film producer to pick this up and go, this is impossible to make a film of. Mm. Yeah. Um, although if, if there's enough money involved, we will change our minds. Oh, and there'll be a, there's definitely, <laughs> there's, there's certainly going to be, got to be a possibility of a, of a temple run version. Oh, at least. <laughs> there must be at least, at least. one, one yeah. episode um, in which and an angry some, some Yeah, we've been planning out the angry birds. Um, you know, so we've been, we've been, we've been taking it. You know, each character is made with an angry bird in mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, perhaps out the bag now. <laughs> Um, you know, yeah, but I genuinely think you know that um, you know the wonderful thing is that there are no answers, and you know I'd much rather be involved in an industry that is that is um, you know endeavouring to to try and find answers than and hunkering down in safety. Um, yeah, I, the thing that excites me about this project is seeing whether we are right or wrong and i'm excited for either outcome because you know it will learn something about it you know it, it's you can only go forward really um th there's no kind of ego trip about this there's no you know there's there's no pride at stake here it's literally about you know asking these important questions about mm. where something that me and kyle love you know the comic book art form you know the direction that is going you know, we feel that we're going to have a stab at answering maybe where it could go. And, you know, mm. at the end of the day, we might have an answer and it might be very promising. And if we don't, then at least we tried. And, you know, you can't ask for more than that. Mm. And I, I think the other thing is, is that, you know, one thing that's, <clears throat> that's important is that, um, you know, I guess it's that Bob Dylan idea of he always, you know, people said, you know, who do you write music for? And he said, myself. Um, mm. And, you know, his his idea was that if he wrote music that he wanted to hear, then chances are somebody else would want to hear it. And I think, you know, mm. um, you know, I I get genuinely excited when my Dropbox lights up with an illustration from Luke. And uh, I hope that Luke gets, you know, excited when his Dropbox lights up with a new script draft from me. Yeah. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's this idea that, um, you know, we're, we're making something we love and we believe you know we believe in um but we're, we're not we're not doing it for the money we're doing it for you know we're doing it for the story and we we really want to tell this story and you know if if it gets torn apart and smashed about then you know i can say i've 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 done a comic and luke can say he's done a comic and, and we gave it a bloody good go and i think you know that's that's all all i'm bothered about and i think that's all luke's bothered about um and if nothing else it'll look really cool <laughs> so, when, so when are we when are we going to see this when, um, when gonna well the thing is at the, at the minute um we had we had a massive rewrite which put um we were we were going for um a spring release um and we've had a massive rewrite which has set us back to um probably we're looking late summer or early early uh kind of q3 um but um we're going to be releasing um a sketchbook um over over the next few weeks um depending on how long it takes apple to approve it um <laughs> but um you know we're we're going to be releasing a sketchbook of the illustrations um it'll be all very cryptic you won't learn anything about the story because we're pains in the behind like that um <laughs> but you know there, there'll be um aspects of you know the development process that we've been through um in there and it, it'll be quite a nice little read um it's also worth mentioning uh Next week, uh, Monday next week, um, the Green Men uh, website will be going live. Um, you got a URL for that? You got a yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it is um, uh, greenmen.net. Um, but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put it. I'll, I'll send you over the link. Um, and you know, our, our plan with that is um, <laughs> again because we're cryptic. Um, <laughs> we're going to we're going to kind of release um, um, an, an illustration or an aspect of an illustration or a piece of soundtrack uh, every day um, to try and to, you know to try and try and essentially you know make it something that people want to follow because the people that we talk to about it. Uh, I'm sure Luke's the same. You know, I've, I've talked mm. to my closest friends about it, um, and they they are genuinely excited by it. So we're hoping to kind of inspire that. 
uh, in the in in our audience who we don't know who they are. So um, if you're listening, thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just checking just checking that URL. It's thegreenmen.net. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thegreenmen.net. Got it. Yeah. I can see it's pointing to hover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The Green Men don't know. Um, dot com was two and a half thousand pounds. So if anybody wants to give me two and a half thousand pounds, oh, I'm like more than net. happily registered. Right. Um, I really like dot um, net. I think dot net. Yeah. Dot yeah. net was fifteen dollars. So yeah. you know. <laughs> no, I think I think it's a, it's it's a case with a lot of things now that dot coms have just all gone on everything, and dot nets yeah, starting yeah. to start to look like a really nice alternative. Well, I, I think as well, um, you know, to, to me, I'm, I'm, you know, I was, I was saying to you the other day, Rob, you know, SEO and like .com are these massive kind of buzzwords, but <laughs> all the websites that I go to, I go to for their content, not for their name. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah. .net's like, really short and easy to type. You know, yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay, so, on the so... bombshell of, uh, of Angry Birds. Um, and <laughs> well, I thought we've got, um, we got the Angry Birds in the background, haven't we? You had seagulls at various points. That was that. Uh, that was the people in my in my sound studio uh, working on the uh, the the sound effects for the Angry Birds. And Sarah, at one point, we should say a big thank you to Sarah because she actually cleared the seagull off the roof of the caravan at one point during that podcast as well. Maybe so, that was the point. Um, Maybe that's when I heard. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, there was there was a lot of love went into this podcast. Um, and if the sound quality is okay, we should probably thank EE. <laughs> yeah. So this is our first four G four G enabled podcast. Yep. Um, so you know, if the, if this works. Um, thank you to everybody at EE. <laughs> yeah. um, although saying that, if I've gone over my data usage, I'm going to kill. Um, so if he would like to sponsor the show with uh, with data with Kyle's data plan, that'd be fantastic. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah if, you'd, if you'd like to pay my contract, that's fine by me. Um, I'll sell my soul for forty five pound a month. Why not? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, well, thank you, Rob, um, for your for your valuable contributions, yes, and thank you. Uh, thank you, Luke, for your valuable contributions, um, well, and thank you, Sarah, for your seagull. Yes, Luke's first podcast. Yeah. So no, you heard it wow. here first. He will take the world by storm with his sultry northern tones. So we'll get, um, hopefully, hopefully, get you both back together again for when we get the um, the sketchbook out and uh, talk a bit more. Yeah, about no, that. definitely. Great. Yeah, let's do that. Um, and with, you know, we also, um, you know, I mean, as, as kind of, it starts kind of, um, you know, we start kind of leaking out these bits and pieces, we will talk more about the story, but, uh, the first, the first issues, um, uh, are kind of one big slap in the face. So we want to keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, thank you everybody for listening. And, um, I'm sure we'll, well, we'll, um, we'll, have another one later on in the week. Okay. Um, good. Good to talk okay. to you both. Yeah, and yep. you. And you. A little bit, guys. Okay. Take care. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye.